Hey everyone, welcome to, oh man, so we recorded a, a temporary podcast last week, then the audio was all busted, and then we tried to come up with a name, and we called it, what was the name? It was Just Three Guys. Just Three Guys was the name. Having a good time. It was the only contender. It was the only one, it was me, it was because I was thinking about that Lonely Island sketch, Just Two Guys. Just two guys. We're having a good time. Having a good time. I immediately went home and watched a lot of Lonely Island videos yeah, after that's that. that's fair. But um, we should think of something possibly better or than we'll just that. Keep it. I mean, just that's like an stick. accurate assessment of what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just three guys. Well, before we get there, uh, hi, my name is Patrick Albeck. I am... I don't know. I guess you're de facto host because I started talking first. So I feel like, is that how that works? Like, if you yeah. start talking first, I won the race. Yeah, it was <laughs> you. You were the one. Uh, I'm a senior reporter for Kotaka.com. I used to be a, the senior news editor for uh, Giant Bomb. I've written for a bunch of places over the years. Um, and I don't know. I wanted to start doing a podcast in Chicago with people who are local. You can do things over the internet, but doing things in person is really cool. And so I've been thinking about that for a long time and then spending time thinking about who I'd want to do stuff with. And Nagita and like, she's interesting. She has opinions that she would probably tell me mine are bad. I want, and I want someone to do that. I want someone to have like strong, different opinions. And, that's, and, and I want to do that in person, locally, and give a little bit of that Chicago flavor. And so I'm um, slowly putting that together. And I'm really excited for what this may or may not be. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But uh, I want to introduce the people who are with me in this room right now, one of which is to my left, Gita Jackson. Hey, what's up? I'm Gita Jackson. I'm a you are. That's who I am. Um, I'm a freelancer, which means I uh, hold very strange hours and write all day and slowly lose my mind in my apartment. I've written for Pace Magazine and Polygon, and I write for Arcade Review, and like a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of places i will write for you if you pay me more than fifty dollars at this point so you go where the money is yeah pay me <laughs> bitch better you have know. my money quoth rihanna <laughs> an unreasonable request yeah. i would like to make money doing what i do for a living uh, right pretty much yeah you but you're, you're a full-time freelancer now you yeah. um That's... you were a part-time and then just said hey i'm doing this yeah, you know, I this felt at the time that I was either making a great decision or a horrible mistake, and the jury is still out Only on that one. Only one way to find out. Yeah, just to fucking do it, which is what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been exciting. It's been really exciting, um, and I made. I think I think I have the wherewithal to keep it going. It's been about a month, and I've been keeping myself afloat somehow. So, hopefully, I don't grow bankrupt. That would be chill. That you have a you have a high bar for yourself. Yeah. Don't go bankrupt. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Just gotta meet that bar. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see what the bar is for uh, our other co-host, Sam Phillips. <laughs> yeah. So I'm Sam. What's up, guys? Um, tinker, I am a tinker, t- teacher, tinkerer. Teacher, tink. I'm a I'm a media arts teacher. I have uh, limited experience writing about video games. This is my first foray into having public opinions so i'm really excited to you've say made the, you've made the best decision of the three of us at this table which is to not do what we do for a living <laughs> yep pretty much and so i spend my days uh watching a lot of children play a lot of video games thinking about how games relate to other fields the the word gamification comes out a lot in my uh my area of work um, and so I'm really excited to be here to sort of bounce that perspective off you guys uh, before I started uh, 
teaching, I worked at, at Jellyvision, which is a local Chicago sort of game company. You don't know Jack? You don't know Jack, right? Classic, the best-selling CD-ROM for a long, long time. Um, Fibbage, that great new game? Great new Fibbage game. is Yeah, great. so they Fantastic. spun off their games division, and now they're Jackbox. But I worked for Jellyvision, and what we did was uh, transfer all the things they learned about making delightful, fun, interactive media into other fields so what i worked on was uh this like weird healthcare explainer which felt like a video game but was actually explaining you like 401ks which is really rad and something that i'm interested in so i'm 30 years old have had several 401ks still could probably use an explainer (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly i'm a freelancer (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah, the, the three of us are going to, you know, hopefully get together each week, talk about games. Like we're trying not to be a traditional games podcast. We're still kind of figuring out what exactly that means. Like and what our name is, what our name is, you know, but you know, I like, you know, the feeling for me was like get in a room and everything else will kind of figure itself out. Like put it out there, see how people respond. Um, but you know, if you're looking for something like comprehensive, like all the, the hot takes on the week's uh, video game news, like that's not really going to happen here. Um, we're kind of mostly interested in having conversations about stuff that's happening, that's topical, um, but maybe speaks to sort of like bigger picture or our experiences with games, um, especially because Sam isn't necessarily reading video game headlines every single day. So we're going to try to play to each of our strengths and also do something different uh, because you can kind of get that at a lot of different places. So, uh, when we recorded our uh, our temp podcast, the lost we had, episode, the lost episode, uh, we had a news section, but now we didn't find any news that was interesting. <laughs> so there's no news. There's no news this week. No video game news happened whatsoever. So d- nothing happened in video games. Um, but hey, that's also just to sort of speak to that uh, from my own perspective. Uh, game news slows down a lot right before uh, E3, which is coming up in uh, just a couple of weeks, and so a lot of things get saved. For early June, when they have press conferences and uh, things like that, everything kind of hits at once. So, in reality, video game news is also just like super slow because everyone wants to kind of capitalize uh, at once uh, in Los Angeles. But, uh, Kitty, you've never been to E3, right? I have never been to E3. No. Do you even want to go? No. Okay. At all. <laughs> well, uh, there was a bit. Of it, there was a little bit of. No. It was a- the question mark? If you pay me. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> if you pay me and pay me to go out there and pay for my hotel room and maybe give me a little bit of stipend for meals, then I'll go. Mm-hmm. That would be fine. Uh, if I have to pay for myself in any way, then we're going to have to have a conversation. But About how you're not going. About how I'm not going. Yeah, you know, I had a weird job for a while where I was paid to go to conventions and sort of sell this company to artists. And it was very fun. But the thing about that was that I, at the end of those things, when I would go home, I would either get incredibly ill or I would be like having a panic attack on the plane because I was so anxious the whole weekend because there were so many human beings and I had to do so much work. And, you know, it would have to, I would need to be compensated with money. Mm. That's the only thing that would make me less anxious, pretty much. So... That's I mean, understandable. Yeah, you know. Also, E3 is wildly overrated. It's it very. Seems it's like. Is there something this year that's like what we're all looking forward to? Like, what's the Fallout big? Fallout Yeah, I mean, that'll be when that's inevitably announced. That'll be great. But I'm still very excited for it. I really like Fallout. Yeah, Fallout Three. Really Fallout good. Three is one of my favorite games, probably. Yeah. Ever. It's... I didn't play Fallout One or Two. Fallout Three is what got me into like open world games. Like mm-hmm. I, I before that was very much I liked linear. Like go here. Like, do this. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed scripted sort of story experiences. Yeah. And then the Fallout games, or Fallout 3 specifically, was like, no, like, here's just a big world. I don't know. Go poke around. I was, that was very stressful. 
Really? I've never me. played, but I've heard amazing things about their tutorial. The yeah, tutorial the tutorial is pretty good. Like yeah. when you yes. like, yeah, how you yeah. choose who your character is and you start yeah. as a baby. Oh, yeah. I like that. Oh, I also really like the art direction. Like I really, I get, I think I like games more if I really like the art direction a lot. And the art direction for Fallout, the whole, the whole Fallout series is excellent and very consistent and you know exactly what kind of world and what kind of story and how you'll be playing and interacting with this world just by looking at it for like the first 10 minutes like it is complete it's like a complete structure it's wonderful yeah. i like fallout uh, to, to expand on my my point about it was that usually with like in those games these like open world games they plop you in and then they're just like you can go do 100 things right now and it's mm-hmm. like I just tell me the one thing I should do. <laughs> like I don't want a hundred things I could do, uh, but like Fallout, I like that got me comfortable with that whole di- idea. Now I love yeah games like that. So very excited for Fallout Four. So yeah, that's gonna be cool. That was our E three preview. Yep, several <laughs> weeks before E three. Um, but we're gonna you know so yeah like maybe we'll talk about news in the future if there are sort of like bigger picture things, and I'm sure we'll talk about stuff related to to E three as we get closer. But uh, we are gonna talk about. Uh, some of the games uh, that we've been playing, and I think uh, I don't I don't know what either of these games are. So Sam, I'm gonna th- throw it to you. Oh, I want, really? What have, What have you been playing? What are What are these games that are listed on this document? So I think I, I mentioned to you guys that I just discovered Itchio as a platform. Do you want to kind of set that up for people? If they uh, yeah, sure. So like Itchio is this space. It's kind of like the alt game steam for alt games so you can go there uh maybe that's not an apt comparison i don't know um it's basically a marketplace where you can click on uh, various titles uh they're very small games some of them are made in twine some of them uh, are made in unity um and you can they have like a really nice interface for like tipping makers um a lot of the games are free um and so i discovered two or like actually four titles but two makers uh by exploring itch.io um and the first and they're very different um, so the first like maker is Vector Park, which uh, I, I actually had known before uh, my sort of like romp in the Itchio universe. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a game called Windowsill. Have either of you guys played? No. no. Windowsill. Okay. So they had this amazing, very like childlike art style. Um, and Windowsill is basically this game where you have this cabinet of curiosities. Um, and it's web-based, but then you can also uh, download it through Steam. And you can uh, engage with a lot of the things in the little boxes on the screen, right? So if there's a light, you can touch it. If there's like a weird mobile, you can flick it. You can open doors. And as you like navigate this weird cabinet, um, things start evolving in the in the game space. So doors start opening, lights start turning on, uh, weird like like uh, ghosts start appearing. It's just a bunch of toys that you can like play around with, and their interaction design is really, really clever. So like everything you touch interacts in exactly the way that uh, you expect, um, and sometimes in really unexpected ways. And then as you click around, um, you can sort of, uh, a, ca- a character sort of manifests. It's a little toy car, and challenges start to manifest very organically. You have to push the toy car through a door, and you have to figure out how to open the door, and it's just so damn delightful. Um, so the title that I played this weekend was by that same company, and it's called Metamorphabet, which is basically an interactive uh, alphabet book. It's so a really great name. Too. It's amazing. Metamorphabet. Is and just... it's $5, <laughs> and I encourage – I, I just play it. I finished it. You can finish it in probably like 15 minutes. Um, but it's so delightful and fun and silly that I like to go back to it. It just puts me in a good mood, which is like uh, something that games don't always do for me. It sounds very um, playful. Very playful. And so the, the whole concept is that like you are playing around with an alphabet. So there's an A 
and you can click it, and it says A. And then all of a sudden, the A, if you click it in the right place, it sprouts antlers. And then you can flick around the antlers and play with the antlers. And then it starts gambling. uh, The App Store. I've seen. uh, It's like an iPad classic. It's something that you'd put in front of like a preschooler. That's exactly the context in in which I learned about it was someone was writing about this is the first game that I the first game I put in front of my kid. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that it really, I mean, like a lot of, there's a lot of educational games out there and I, I play a number of them. Um, but this is a game that I think sort of transcends age, um, just like, you know, a great picture book does. You know, like the right. Giving Tree right, 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 operates right. on a lot of different levels. And I think Metamorphobet does too. Like I put this in front of my girlfriend last night and she played all the way through it. She beat the game, which is just to get to the letter Z and see what kind of fun <laughs> animation happens when you get to the letter, letter Z. Um, so yeah, that was really rad. But I think that's you, th- like, exactly one of the things that's interesting about that is the lack of friction right like games are Zero. Uh, you know a lot of what we consider traditional games and itch.io itself is a site that prides itself on hosting creators and creations that are not traditional games like expanding the scope of what even that term means right. and most games are built on like friction and uh challenge or uh and you know like a learning process and that's not really what this game is about it's this very is, soft, it's, right? It's, there is challenge. There is challenge because you can't progress unless you figure out where to click. It's kind of like a mist in that way, right? But it's mist for four-year-olds, <laughs> so it's not hard for me. Um, but <laughs> wow, uh, that, that was a, a severe diss to the, all the four-year-olds yeah. this podcast. Um, and mist is a game I could never beat, even with the uh, the guide. I know some four-year-olds that can beat mist. Though, so. <laughs> hmm. mm, Sam. So that's one one game that I played this week. Another game that I played was by a maker named Robert Yang. Have you guys played any of these games? I've heard of Robert. He makes a lot of uh, eccentric, interesting works. Very very interesting. I think I I know what game you're talking about, too. So which game do you think I'm talking about? Is it the game where you masturbate the car? That is one of the games I played. It's oh, weird! Kind of a mating, an, an auto-erotic. Uh, you have not heard about this game. No, no. <laughs> so the game I've heard about hurt me plenty, and like a lot of my friends have played. I've been meaning to play, but I have not heard about the game where you masturbate a car. So both of these games last like ten minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting. So the game that you where you masturbate the car is called Stick Shift, and mm-hmm. it's a diptych, and and the left side you see the driver um, rendered in three D, and on the right side you see an ignition, like you know he's basically from his perspective you see the the manual transmission or whatever um and you use your mouse to basically turn the car on and then as the car is getting to certain points you basically just like manually shift it into first second third and fourth gear and every time you do it his face becomes alive with like like light and music it's awesome (laughs) and you feel really good about it and if you don't do it in the rhythm the car stalls just like it does in real life and i've never been able to drive a manual Car. I don't know how to do. So stick this shift, game yeah. was super dope because it actually taught me something. I think <laughs> about how to do it right. Um, That's amazing. And then you should go and test it on a real car and see yeah, exactly. <laughs> just ruin the ignition. Yeah. What I think is so interesting about this game is that when you actually succeed, when you go really fast, and all of a sudden, you, you know, the left side of the, the the game plane is like really close up to the your character, the driver. Um, the cops come. Not to ruin it, but, like, the cops come and they pull you over. Um, And that's, like, the fail state. So, like, as you succeed in the game, you approach failure. And your only input in the game is the mouse. So you're – and there's no tutorial. So you're constantly trying to figure out, like, what you can interact with. As you move the mouse around, his eyes move. Um, And when you get pulled over, if you click, you make this, like – 
like flirt flirtatious gesture towards the cop and it adds time to your sort of like punishment so like the game sort of borrows a mechanic from a lot of like clickbait iphone games where like if you like kim k like hollywood where if you deplete your energy you can't play for another like 45 minutes right this game says like you can't play for like two hours and every time you flirt with a cop it adds time and adds time and adds time Hmm. and i think that's like a really interesting like borrowed mechanic in this space um there's like a similar thing though that you did with hurt me plenty where um if you go over the limit of the sub that you're playing with so hurt me plenty Plenty, is the bdsm simulator that robert yang also designed yeah so but there's a similar mechanic about the time thing so if you go your sub will tell you what their limits are and you really have to obey them and if you go over the limits by accident or on purpose you can't play the game for 10 days yeah for 10 days so i played this game it lasts six minutes right i wanted to show it to someone Mm -hmm. and i had you know i had gone way over the limits because i was just testing out the mechanic i didn't know Mm -hmm. um and i can't for nine more days (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy but it's i think that's a really powerful mechanic i think that's a useful tool also about like bdsm and respecting people's limits yeah and yeah like makes it more meaningful like you can't just abuse someone in a game you have to like actually pay attention and actually play by the rules or else it'll just lock you out of it for 10 days, which is a very long time. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in how uh, games act as like learning systems and how they teach us certain mechanics. And often a lot of people who work in schools or whatever cite the fact that when you fail in video games, you can just jump right back in and try it again and try it again. And through repetition, you gain skills. But in this game, I learned something. But I don't have that feedback cycle. I have to wait, literally wait. The punishment is so severe for me in the context of playing that, like, it really imprints in my mind, like, the, the takeaway, which is, can, like, be nice to people when you're yeah. intimate. <laughs> That's, I think, a pretty good takeaway. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But it's also interesting that you, you learned something sort of accidentally, right? right. You know, it'd be, it'd be much different if you were like, I'm downloading... Um, learn how to stick shift in a car, the video game, which isn't what this is. It's just that happens to be a mechanic on the way to playing the game properly. And I think that's what games can be really good at educationally is teaching you something without teaching you something, right? Yeah. Like when you're sitting down to learn, you go in a different mental state and a lot of people get either, you know, maybe not defensive, but just like learning's hard. And so like when you're sitting down to explicitly learn you may not be in the best mode for it, but if you're playing a video game that just happens to teach you something, you might learn it in a way that you're more receptive to because, oh, well, I'm playing a video game. I'm not sitting here to learn, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. It's interesting, though, that it's specifically... Robert Yang has, like, a rep as just being, like, the gay games guy. But there's obviously a lot more stuff going on in his games than just gayness. Yeah, he's using really interesting inputs. Like, uh, with Hurt Me Plenty, he uses the Leap Motion Controller, which I don't have. And that's, I don't know if either of you guys have used that. Mm -mm. But it's basically a USB attachment for your computer that kind of acts as a connect. And so you can wave your hand. So in the game, you can literally spank the your your non the non playable character um, and engage in actually like a visceral motion um, and I'm pretty sure in stick shift you can use your hand to to engage which is like it's just an interesting playful experiment yeah yeah, hmm. yeah. I should check those out and so those are both on itchio they're both on itchio so or like, uh, through like windowsills on Steam Metamorphovet's probably on Steam as well um, it's it's itch dot io itch dot io yeah itch dot io uh, cool. Uh, yeah, th- those all sound really interesting. And yeah, if you're just 
man, if you were bored by video games, just go to Itch.io. Like right. there is really interesting work being done, uh, even in the slow parts of the year for you know quote unquote traditional games. Like there's always tons of cool shit out there. It's just a matter of like finding Sifting it, sifting through it. Yeah. And that's what's cool about Itch.io is that like there's if you want if you want like weird fringy stuff that's experimental and trying stuff that you're never gonna see in like an Assassin's Creed or something like that. It is happening on Itch.io every single day. You just need to go there, and a lot of it's free, which is cool. Um, you know, it makes yeah. it very accessible. Um, get it about yourself. You, you're it's, you're going to pick up from the Lost podcast, in which you are you are you describe this in this document as I have descended into anime hell. Yeah, I've been playing Love Live for many weeks now. It's it's not. I just wrote something about this actually for Pace, and I don't know when people are going to see it. But it's not that I'm like. Everyone talks about free-to-play games as something you get, like, addicted to, and it's less about addiction than, like, the compelling nature of being obsessed with something that you find, like, satisfying. Specifically, because Love Live is a game about um, these high school girls that want to be pop idols. It's a rhythm game, so that sort of narrative... All of our natural dreams. Yeah, I I mean... mean, you know, very relatable. was my dream. As a, uh, I think, fifth grader, I really wanted to be a pop star. Hey, there you go. Yeah, so it's a little bit of Like a Japanese pop star or like Britney Spears I want to be like a Britney Spears pop star. Okay, I was going to say, like, that'd be very specific if you'd like to send it into, I want to be a J-pop star in elementary school. I do... Now, like, I see... I, like, watch, like, Kyari... Pammy Pammy music videos and I'm like yeah that's something that I wish that I could just do is like have all of those outfits and make what's basically video art and you know go all around the world and sing these adorable songs but um yeah Love Live yeah the thing about Love Live it's like it's so much about stardom that the way that they make you sort of relate to the characters in the game it's only through the desire to become closer to them by playing the game a whole bunch so there's a lot of like nesting mechanics like most free-to-play games where if you level this up, you get this bonus, which allows you to get this thing and this thing. But the end result for all of that is that once you've sort of done the ultimate, which is maximize your quote-unquote relationship with an idolized girl that you have, you get a little like cutscene story about them. So your reward for playing is to be more intimate with these teenage girls and like it's compelling like they make it very compelling for you they give you all these little snippets of like what these characters are like and what makes them appealing and exciting and there's nine of them so they all have very distinct personalities and yeah like Nozomi Umi like I would like to see the little story that they have to tell about her once I maximize my bond with this girl and it's it's like it is addictive, but it's less. I mean, it's not. I'm not. Comp- I, was, I, I always struggle. Feel... With, I always struggle with that term, addictive. Yeah, right? Because like, like, I, I find addictive to be like a word that we throw on like really easily. When in like every other context, addictive is like a like yeah. a negative thing. Yeah. Like, like when, whenever you say addictive, you're like, oh, that's bad. Like, I mean, I yeah, and, 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 and in games, it's used as uh, like a, as a positive. Like right. I'm addicted to this, and, and yeah. So and. You know, it's totally true that, like, free-to-play games especially prey upon, like, psychology and, yeah. like, our desire for, like, the dopamine hit right. from, like, mm-hmm. like short-term uh, goal accomplishment and satisfaction. Like, that's how they operate. And that can be used for good and bad reasons. And it seems, mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, it's all about what the developer sort of intends. And it sounds like some of the stuff that you're getting out of it is, like, really fun. Like, you're, enjo- yeah. you're enjoying how they've set that up, even if, like... You know, if you look at it on like a science level, like ah, it's all kind of weird and creepy, but so are most things. If yeah, you break I mean, it's them also for level. me, it's not 
like really about addiction like I've, I've been able to go days without playing it like it's like not actually like a thing that where i if i You're don't not play getting the shakes it, as a result of it no i'm not going through love life withdrawal withdrawals right now i'm cool i swear i'm cool um that's what they all say though <laughs> yeah but have you spent real dollars have you gone I have not spent real dollars have on you it thought about okay. spending real dollars i have thought about spending real dollars on, dollars what's, on it what's the difference but i know you've written about kim kardashian hollywood yeah and i feel like they're both freemium games that explore yeah like stardom how do they compare uh, Kim Kardashian Hollywood is okay. So there's this uh, streamer called Devious Vacuum, and she does these streams called her Girl Game streams, where she goes to those sort of flash websites where um, there's games. There's like a, a bunch of like shitty flash games, and there's always one tab that says Girl Games or Girls Games, and they're, they're like dress up games. Yeah, they're dress like... up games, and they're they're bar- They are games, definitely. But they're like uh, games with genre conventions that are so unlike any games that I we play, like on the reg, like even the weird shit, like like stuff on Itchio. It's um she just did a, a girl game stream like yesterday with Jordan Mallory that was really weird. There's a pregnant Elsa tattoo game where you have to. I've seen. Yeah, the, oh, I think it was BuzzFeed did a piece months ago that was like, "Are you aware of the fucked up?" frozen games out there on the app store and on google play like there is a whole cottage market for weird sometimes not really uh sexual but just bizarre Mm. and odd like frozen themed video games that are clearly not authorized by disney there's a lot of tooth surgery games yeah i've seen some uh, some kids in my space play games where they are like playing it's like a first person simulator of a doctor who's birthing a child is that like what you're (sighs) what it's pretty intense too much that's too much whoa yeah what and you don't know whether to like let them keep going there's like a vagina like right in on Wait, the screen how well like, modeled it's like illustrate it's like a it's like a so medical like actual medical thing yeah yeah ah. i mean and it, it follows the steps in what i think is like pretty close detail having okay, never so <laughs> girl <laughs> games girl games are quite that sam no it's more like uh oh god so this it's is not whole... just all birthing simulator <laughs> top 100 birthing simulators <laughs> under under girl games yeah i mean i'm sure there's one or two there were, they played one that was like a santa injury doctor thing and you had to like x-ray him and when you x-ray him you just see that he's completely santa's completely fucked up like he's got like arm broken in two places a broken leg and like broken ribs and you have to patch him up and like put a cast on him it's all they're all about nurturing really and like flirting and clothing and the mechanics are as basic as possible because the assumption is that girls won't understand complex mechanics essentially so i think kim kardashian hollywood has a little bit more in common with that mm, stuff right. it's definitely more complex and the writing is extremely funny and that's what i like so much about kim kardashian hollywood that it was funny writing with fun characters that all felt very distinct um i think yeah love live is definitely more in the sort of like a there's there oh, there was this it's like a, basically it feels like a dating sim except you can't really date anybody but it's still encouraging you to love them like in those relationships yeah. right. it's, the, yeah. it's not romantic so. it's just sort of like your interest in them as people i guess as yeah to sort of yeah you can sort of tap the characters on the screen you know and they'd say different things sometimes. And I like Nozomi because she's the only one that doesn't has the like 
the little sound bite she has don't make me feel like a huge creeper when I like tap her a little bit. She says stuff like, well, if you manhandle me, you're telling me that I want you want me to manhandle you, too. She says it in a very like playful way. Mm. There's definitely they're accounting for a secondary male audience for this game. But I still but think it rises above that a little bit. It does, you also it mentioned does. in the last episode that uh, there was like a rhythm game element. Yeah, there's a rhythm game element, which isn't like very complicated. It's fun and definitely like it's a balanced rhythm game. And there's this whole meta game element to like how you level your girls up and how you make teams so there's like a half circle of 10 girls and you they all represent a different like place where you're gonna tap like in the rhythm and some of the girls have like special powers where say like every 17 perfects you get some uh stamina you know uh, back if you've missed anything or something like that or you get a score boost or something like that or the timing window is um is wider so you get perfects more often and so there's like that element which i also i also find really fun um and it's it's but it's i really do think it's interesting that they place so much emphasis on like each one of these girls is unique and like find your favorite girl and cherish that girl forever like be form relationships with these girls hmm. in some way. They're very two dimensional, but that's sort of like the thing about pop stardom is that like, so a little yeah. bit of like the like kind of waifu sort of you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, definitely trying to appeal to like a like waifu a, thing. So yeah, like well, you might be better suited to explain the <laughs> to the waifu thing. I, Am I the anime correspondent? Yeah, this, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've played Danganronpa. I, I play my fair share of anime games, oh. but you you're d- much deeper down that rabbit hole than I am. I'm an anime hell. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so waifu is like a pretty offensive term that a lot of Americans use to describe characters in anime specifically that they are like, they consider them, in, in some people are very serious about it essentially. It's creepy. I'm just trying to think of the least creepy way to describe this creepy thing. But some people are very serious about it where they're like, I'm in love with this two dimensional person. And some people are more sarcastically like, this girl is my favorite of everyone in the show and like one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Yeah, there's I like, there's like, there, there, there's a creepy extreme end to it. And then there's also sort of the ironic way that a lot of people right. use it. Like, yeah, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of the time, I think you'll see waifu used in sort of a, in ironic, it's like, it's just, I really like this girl. She's cute. Like, she's my favorite. And like, oh, she's my waifu. Like, yeah. That's Kind of, yeah. That's kind of how it's used. But then there's, you know, just like anything else, there's an extreme. I feel like yeah. I've seen a Vice, like, mini documentary about the... Yeah, like, uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, the the, the big uh, life-size pillows. Like, right. you oh, know, yeah. that, that plays into the the whole waifu thing. So. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of funny, like, like half-ironic pictures on the internet. If you start Google search waifu of, like, people having meals with, like, a screenshot of their favorite anime character. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's like, my fav- one of my favorite internet things i think actually christine love for her game um hate plus she she plays with that where she actually forces you to bake a cake for one of her characters in real time you can't (laughs) skip it you have to actually bake a cake and you can get an achievement for that in steam if you send her a picture of the cake you you baked for that character with like the game in this in the picture at the same time that's really good yeah christine loves great i like her so you're playing that, and then uh, we'll, we'll shortly connect that to your other. Uh, we're just—it's the all anime hour. Yeah, with, it's uh, just me. Right now. You're, I, playing, you're playing. You're uh, playing. You st- started or replaying Persona Four, I, which is a game that I need to play as well. I basically need to finish it before Persona Five comes out. Yeah. Okay. So I played Persona Three, and it ruined me emotionally because it's very sad and it's about death. Um, it's really sad. I can't overestimate or over. Uh, um, 
I can't overstate how sad that game is. It's like upsetting. Persona 4 is like much happier, even though it's all about murder. Um, but I played like a little bit of it. And then I broke up with the person who owned that game and was letting me borrow it. And so I finally bought my own copy. Mm. And then I remembered all the little things about Persona that are really irritating. Like the first half hour of every Persona game is you can't do anything and then it'll take an additional well, that's hour. Just, that's just JRPGs. Yeah, I know. But at Persona, it's like if you've done it once, like it's so much more tedious somehow. Yeah, you, you kind of like, wish with a lot of those games like, hey, can I just pick the setting that uh, I've done this before? Right? And skip me, skip <laughs> right? me three hours in and unlock all the mechanics and we're yep. fine. Yeah, and Put like, them in a sub-menu if I need to go refresh I my memory. it's more frustrating for me for Persona because like you know how good those games get. Sure. Like once you get through that that basically like two hours of just bullshit setup with the PlayStation 2 era graphics and like um, design conventions, like all these fucking nested menus up the wazoo, like can't, can't handle that. Um, but it's also like Persona is another game where it really encourages you to make personal connections with all of the characters. Like all the Persona games are about, hey, person, you know, what's great making friends. Maybe after you play this game for a while, you should go outside and make some friends. Um, and like, that's what part of, that's part of what made Persona 3 so hard for me. It's just sort of like the end of that game is just about accepting that someday you will die and all these characters will die and you love them and you kind of have to just accept that like they will live great lives, but you're going to die someday. So I like cried a lot when I played that game and I don't know if I'm like ready to be that emotionally attached to like a new set of Japanese high schoolers <laughs> like it's and then a, a new set when Persona 5 comes out Jesus later Christ. in the year oh I'm really excited for Persona 5 it looks beautiful and I'm probably gonna love it but it's also like it will find some way to make me cry and I'll cry a lot and I'll tweet about crying over Persona 5 and you'll all know <laughs> like that's what's going to happen. That's really good. Uh, yeah, I need to play that uh, sometime later this year. I have it on my Vita, um, which is like a slightly tweaked version of that yeah, game. Yeah, it's supposed to be more streamlined. Streamlined some of the some of the bullshit. So I, I basically just need to wait till they announce a release date, and then it's like, okay, now I'll start slotting time yeah, to, to, just, to get my... It will take way more time than you think it will. I've, yeah, I've heard it's a bare minimum 60, and it's more like uh, 80 It's more 90. like 80 to 90. Yeah, uh, I... Depending on how much you kind of put into the side stuff. I got really good at Persona 3, mm-hmm. um, so I have over 100 hours on that. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like, video games. Video games. I'm all about the short games. Yeah. yeah. Robert Yang's five minutes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah obviously, you gotta play, well, I'm going to make you play Stick Shift like 600 times. <laughs> so you can just try and add up to a Persona game. I think after that, you'll be able to drive a Stick Shift. I think so, too. That's true. That's true. Uh, so the, the games I've been playing, uh, I've been playing a lot of The Witcher 3, but I don't have really anything interesting to say about that, except that it's a very good video game. The... The, the two games that I, I kind of wanted to briefly mention, one is that, uh, so one, I, it's, it's a lie. I'm not playing Spelunky, but uh, my wife is. Um, and she's not, uh, not against video games, but video games are just casually something she's into. Like, it's not like a main hobby of hers. Like, she's someone that, you know, you put Smash Brothers on or Mario Kart, like, just like most people, like, she's going to sit down and have a good time. But of otherwise, she, re- she just has other things she does. Um, and... So I recently was like, hey, do you want to like check out this game, Splunky? Do you want to just sit down? I'm going to play it, and it would be nice if you'd, I had someone to kind of bounce off of while I'm like streaming the game. And then she went, well, I want to – maybe I want to play it. And I was like, <laughs> this game is like – I mean, 
I don't, this game's really hard. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I don't want to like put you off. I don't want to discourage you. But like Splunky is famously like an enormously difficult game that is purposely obtuse, takes dozens of hours to start wrapping your head around and learn. Like it doesn't explain things on purpose. Like it's, you're meant to die and learn through failure. And then you add that up over time and experience allows you to succeed. And so terrified at the concept of her playing that game. But I, but I was like, yes. I will be your mentor, and I will watch you play Splunky. And uh, she played it one time, and and she seemed like she had a, an okay time. And I was like, "Well, how'd you feel about it at the end of it?" And she's like, "Can you load that up on your Vita?" Oh my god! And she's been obsessed for the last oh week. Oh my god! Like this past weekend was a lot of like barbecuing and outdoors and having a little bit too much drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we will get home, and she will just drunkenly yell at her Vita. <laughs> <laughs> and just screaming at it as she's trying to get get through Splunky, and it's been it's been really fascinating to watch. And I and I love when my wife gets into games because she always grounds me really well because I make a lot of uh, base assumptions about games, partially for the audience I write for. Like at Kotaku, it's you are coming to Kotaku because you pl- play video games, right? Yeah, so it's I an can, enthusiast. Press. I can make assumptions there. Um, but that, that those assumptions then lead to maybe sometimes false conclusions or assumptions about how games should be or how people interpret them. And what's always fun to watch my wife is that she'll point out stuff that I just take for granted. And she's like, that's stupid or that's dumb. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know what, like it is. Like, I, like I, you know, I've just spent like, you know, 30 years ingrained in this stuff and I just don't think about things like that. But just watching her like, you know, things that games don't explain or things that games do take for granted about players. And like, I just really enjoy watching her play this and it's also fun to watch her play a game explicitly about failure and then like mm-hmm. well like she'll like you know have a particularly bad death and then she goes we need a powwow about this oh my God. Like, explain to me like what her theories are what she's having trouble with and then i'll like explain to her like well you know you could do x y and z it's been, <laughs> it's been really really cool because normally when we great. play games it's like we play a lot of the telltale adventure games and uh i hold the controller because like the shitty action sequences in those games come up, and she wouldn't be able to do those, or it'd be it'd be frustrating, and be doing them six or seven times. Mm-hmm. So I hold the controller. She makes all the decisions, which is always really really fun. Oh yeah, because I hate the decisions that she makes. And, <laughs> but it's just like you know when the dialogue choices come up, she picks. When it's like who's gonna die, she picks, and I have to live with that because that's the bar- that's the bargain I've made with this. Like I'm gonna play <laughs> these games, but you're really the one playing them. But I don't know. It's uh it's been interesting because over my life I've you know, like the the way co-op games work, especially with a significant other, can go like a couple of different ways. Like those can be like really frustrating, especially if you're better at them than it. Like yeah. I, I had an ex-girlfriend who we would try and play co-op games and it went just not good. Yeah. We would just fight, which probably was just underscoring like existing relationship yeah. problems. <laughs> I was about to say, like with my ex, we used to play fighting games together and he would like, he's very good at fighting games because he is just very fastidious and studious and like really got the systems very well and innately and i learned everything in fighting games through muscle memory like i can't i if you show me like a a, like a combo with all the buttons i will not learn how to do it by looking at it i have to just do it and then remember the way that my fingers went and it would become so frustrating to play against him because i would he would just be doing perfect rounds and I would just like end up yelling at him or like just leaving and going home because he'd be like, why don't you just practice the game? And I was like, I don't want to practice a game to do get as good as you to just have a good time with my boyfriend, mm-hmm. you know? And also and that's really uh, boring. what I've been learning, and it's funny because we uh, when we've done Splunk, we've always been streaming it. So we have some, you know, live audience kind of giving feedback. And uh, it's like learning how to be a good 
tutor or a mentor and like that's difficult right like it sounds right. like you know your your ex and that was not being like was not making this facilitating this to be a fun experience no like he no. was being condescending yeah. and like just get it and like so it, it's <laughs> and like and, it, and it's hard and, it, and it's funny because i've played i think like 100 hours of spelunky so like i intimately understand the yeah. game and so i'm like desperately trying to claw my way back for like <laughs> how can i be a good tutor without like coming across like an asshole when yeah. she doesn't do like just just do just throw the bomb the way i told you to throw the bomb yeah like that's like you really just have to let them figure out most systems by themselves and then if they're really having trouble being like well have you tried this and, like a very gentle ways like i've also dated people that don't really play games at all and like inevitably they'll want to play games like i just my friend sarah wanted to play bioshock infinite because she was interested from it she was a screenwriting person Ooh, that's like, like that's a that's a big ass like dual analog <laughs> yeah shooter. She, like, you're, yeah. you're asking yourself to go from like zero to a hundred like really i like fast. it was got like i love sarah to death she's wonderful i miss her so much she moved to los angeles but it was like even to the point of like okay let's take some time to figure out whether or not you want the y-axis inverted or not and that's like that's yeah. already like so much terminology. Yeah, like most people don't know what that means. They don't even know y axis, but like, what did that? What does that mean relative to yeah. the stick? Yeah, it was sort of like to, let's. Yeah. I or knew exactly sticks, like right? <laughs> right, like a movement and a looking yeah, it's stick. Hard. Like, yeah, it's why? very hard. Why do you very need complex. both? It's like it is. A, it took me a long time to learn like, sure. dual analog sticks. I didn't really understand them until. I was perfectly happy like tank controls for like most of my life. And then I mm. finally got, I inverted the Y axis. and I finally understood um, dual analog sticks. I was like, oh, this is just infinitely better in every single way. It's way more sensitive and precise. But th- it took me, I think, up until college. Like, and I'd wow. been playing games since I was like 10-ish. Like it just, you know. I feel like the Halo tutorial just got me going. Yeah? Just, I, that was like my first foray into the, the dual analog stick. Uh, and the boys process. wouldn't let me play with them. Yeah, that's so. yeah. well. So, well and also multiplayer. Like you're probably going to a friend's house and playing, you know, yeah. multiplayer with them. And there's no tutorial there. You kind of yeah. Sit yeah. Down and- Some games are pretty clever about so that stuff now. Where when you're in, when you start the game, like rather than making it a setting, we're like, hey, go invert the y-axis or whatever. Right. Like, which is like a really technical game term to, yeah. to comprehend. In this tutorial, they're just like, hey, look up. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, and, yeah. And it interprets that based like. If you press up, then the game knows which setting to make it. And if you mm. press down, like, the game knows. And, like, mm. that's just, like, a really clever way Absolutely. to not make it so gamey in a way that games make base assumptions about, like, how you should teach the player. Well, it's like Animal Crossing character design where it just it says, oh, well, you're a cute little girl. And then you can say, I'm not a girl. I'm a boy if right. you want to. Right. Super clever. Yeah, exactly. Super clever. Uh, so the other game I'm playing uh, is uh, Life is Strange, uh, which is a sort of episodic game from uh, a company called Don't Nod. They made a, a game called Remember Me, um, sort of like a sci-fi adventure game that was pretty notable for like having a like a interesting female protagonist. And uh, Life is Strange is about like two uh, female teenagers like going that they discover uh, you know she can rewind time and blah 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 blah. And like there's all these sci-fi conceits, but I what I really like about the game. Is that it's it's a game obsessed with sort of like the mundane. Like there, you can do things like sit on a park bench, and there's like optional dialogue for like just sitting on a park bench. Or then sometimes you just sit on a park bench, like just because you can. And like the game will like give you like really pretty camera angles, and uh, you water your plants. And like so, there's this sort of sci-fi thing happening. But what I like about the game is that it has an appreciation for the mundane facets of life 
the ground the game in a way that I think a lot of games don't really consider. Like right. they, mm-hmm. like games just sort of take for granted. Like they put the bench or all these other things, but just being able to appreciate little life's little details. Like that game goes out of its way to like let you interact with those things in a way that feels uh, meaningful. And then what I also really like about the game, and I, I should uh, also say the game has horrible dialogue. Like it's really <laughs> oh my important. god. It's really poorly written, um, but it's like really endearing. Like huh. it, they're clearly trying very hard, but it's just like so obviously adults trying to write by like teenagers, and oh, they just yeah. they they just fail in so many ways. But like it, there's a lot of heart in it. Like the game is incredibly endearing. And remember me was the same way, where it's like, gosh, I see what you're going for, mm-hmm. and you got interesting ideas, and you're and you're trying. You're failing in a lot of ways, but I like that you're trying, and I want mm-hmm. to encourage it. And there were some interesting ideas, and like you know, life is strange. Like without getting into like specific spoilers for character beats and stuff, like deals with like contemplations of suicide and like uh, shaming people through like uh, viral videos that mm-hmm. are like uh, sexual in nature, and 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 like just all these really interesting things that games just don't touch on. I and is this like a Telltale game? Yeah, or is this pretty much. There, with yeah, decision like, trees and uh, yeah, it's like it's, it's dialogue, yeah. walking from area to area, and the most you really do as a game is like uh, like you can kind of influence little time stuff. Like for example, huh. uh, there's this girl that's in each episode that really boring things happen to her. Like one time a football hits her in the head and you can rewind time and warn her before the football comes. There's another episode where she's about to get uh, hit by water from a car that's coming by and there's a puddle and you can warn her before that happens. So it's stuff like that. Just Mm. helping her have the best day ever. (laughs) Pretty much. And I assume there's going to be a payoff there at some point. They haven't quite gotten to what exactly that is. Um, But it's stuff like that. And then you can extrapolate that into like, you know, world ending sort of events that like all games end up uh, playing into. But Mm -hmm. It looked like you were going to... Yeah, I mean, for me, um, just narrative-wise, this is a game, especially, like, in the first, like, half hour of the first episode, really presents itself as more... If if we're just talking, like, teen dramas, which Mm -hmm. is, like, if you remember from when we went to... Me and Sam went to college together. And I ended up doing a lot of work with teen dramas and 90s teen comedies. Um, The game sort of sells itself to you as a my soul called life which is a very banal it's like a pretty banal show but there's no like my special episodes it's really just about like a girl very quietly trying to understand what coolness is how she can possess it and whether or not she really wants it at all and it's but i think my the problem with um life is strange that it's less my so-called life and it's more degrassi where it yeah. is constantly a very special episode of Life is Strange. (laughs) And I don't think that's bad or wrong, but again, I think that leads into the thing you were saying about the dialogue, where it's written earnestly with so much heart, but it wants to be one thing, and it's not quite making it there. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that... Like, you can see them throwing it at the dartboard and just missing. Yeah, but they're they're trying. They're they're throwing the dart. Nobody's like, no one else is like this. And the thing is, no one else is throwing the dart. Yeah. So it's part of why it's interesting, and I want to support it, even if... Every time I tweet about it, it's just a countdown until Kara Ellison tweets at me and says this game fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't Nick even... Robinson's going on like multiple Twitter rants about man, this fucking dialogue's fucking terrible and I hate it. And <laughs> I don't even disagree yeah. with any of those critiques, <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the enjoyment I get out of it and my appreciation for what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But if anything, it only speaks to like the vacuum in video games yes. mm. to, to to even try to talk about stuff like this that don't nod is doing something interesting 
almost purely because no one else is trying, which is still commendable because yeah. like someone has to get the ball rolling. Someone has to prove this can be interesting so someone else can come in React and go, to it, yeah. here's a better way to right. do it. That's how that stuff starts. But, you know, it is almost exclusively interesting because there's nothing else like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully it's been pretty successful as far as I know. I know, like... They're like making the, all the episodes, so. Yeah. The third episode, when, when that came out, it was immediately trending on Tumblr, so I'd hope that Dotnod and other publishers and developers understand that, yeah, teenage girls play games, and they will buy your games if you write games with them in mind. And they will reblog them. They will make your games Endlessly. very popular. They will create Tumblr fandoms for them. There will be fan fiction. There might be a, like convention dedicated to your game if they like it <laughs> enough like that's the power of teenage girls why don't people take advantage of that <laughs> uh, i guess we they need to incorporate into their advertising metrics tumblr reblogs which actually they should that's like that I actually, meant that they kind of should yeah absolutely yeah, I meant that half joking and like mostly like totally serious yeah so. no, like teenage girls buy shit teenage girls memorize the birthdays and like blood types of boys they have crushes on celebrity boys that they'll never meet they just want to know mm-hmm. that much about them like, Teen Wolf is everywhere. I don't even know what that show is, but people love that show. One of our old professors watched Teen Wolf. Brett, Brett watched Teen Wolf. And the what MTV said, Teen Wolf, not yeah, like Yeah, of right, course. Right. Yeah, of course. No, we know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I, uh, some people might not be aware there's an MTV Teen Wolf show. Yeah. And it's uh, got lots of sexy boys on it. Brett said that if the show was any better, he definitely wouldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's A. As someone that watches a lot of uh, bad horror movies and appreciates them because they're bad, I know exactly what that oh, line yeah. he is he's talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't we uh, move on to sort of our roundtable in which uh, it's kind of the way we set it up uh, is like before we record the podcast, uh, each of us puts a bunch of articles into a document and then we kind of chat before the podcast about like here's what we kind of pitch it. And then we sort of go from there and figure out which ones are interesting, and what we think is going to generate some discussion. Uh, but the ones that don't make it or, you know, depending on how long uh, we go with Gita's, the one that she'll start with. Uh, I won. <laughs> Well, that stuff will show up in the show notes. So like any articles that we thought were interesting that are worth talking about, just because we don't get to them on the podcast is mostly a service of time. Like we want this podcast to be, you know, like roughly an hour, a little bit more like something that's time effective, not only for us so we can continue to incorporate into our lives, but also just knowing that like your time is precious as the listener and that uh, if you want three hour podcasts, well, the Giant Bombcast is three and a half hours every week. So there's those are out there if you want them and we want to kind of do something Short and to the point mm-hmm. um, that is like about topics we're really passionate about. So with that in mind, Guido, why don't you introduce the, the article you wanted to talk about this week? Cool. So the article I want to talk about this week is from the la- latest issue of Arcade Review, which operates mostly sort of in similar ways to an art journal would, where it comes out quarterly. And it's it's a PDF. You know, it's an ebook. You can put it on your Kindle or your iPad and read it whenever you want. How can people get it if they're um, I think it's arcadereview.net is the okay. website. And so you buy this article. Or it just you can buy online. it. Okay. Just, and if you subscribe to the Patreon, you just get emailed straight to you. But you can buy individual issues from the website. And it's $10, I think. It's it's kind of a bargain for, like, the amount of stuff that is in there and the kinds of things that are in there. The stuff that you don't necessarily see in other publications and approaches from I, I write for them uh, I do reviews for them like and the the approaches are from people like uh, Lana Polanski who really writes art criticism about games and this one that I chose is now their uh, sort of they every issue they pick one thing to put on their blog for free so you can just sort of get a taste of what's in Arcade Review if you see want to know if you're interested this one's very explicitly about the fine arts. And video games, and it's called uh, Rothko and video games is our abstract architectures, which is kind of a mouthful, but I really appreciate it 
um, in particular for sort of the intro section on there where it really goes into a an in-depth discussion of Rothko as an artist. I'm a huge fan of Rothko. There's a Rothko in the Art Institute if you want to see what I'm about to talk about. And the thing about Rothko is you cannot actually photograph a Rothko. You will never get the same kind of impact from standing in front of Rothko than, uh, and then in a photograph like it's a lot of people don't get him because they just think it's like there's these like huge like panels of just one color but there's dimensions to that color that you can really only see in person and um Clarice is talking about in this article a little bit about about that but also you know about how that's in a lot of ways related to architecture like Rothko is also they're enormous paintings and you don't really know how big they are until you stand in front of them and they're built for spaces, specific spaces. And it's really necessary to contextualize his work. Like Rothko's chapel is is just a series of black paintings are in a chapel in Texas, I think. And um, he won't sell them. Nobody will sell them because they're meant to be in that pa- in that chapel. Like there's a running sort of bit in the movie Cosmopolis where Robert Pattinson plays a character that really, really wants to buy the chapel. Hmm. And the, someone, they just explained him over again, like you can't, buy that thing like it's that's a specific object that needs to be experienced in a specific way and I think that's a very good observation to sort of bring into games as art because there that is something that games as art sort of if you think about games as art something that this genre this medium also shares where you can actually you cannot experience a game in any other way than to play a game and some games really do think about art and architecture and movement in their design that I, I think is really wonderfully discussed in this article uh, sam you looks like you're saying something no, no no i just think that she outlines three really rad games yeah. in this article that i had never played before and i don't know if you got a chance to play them patrick i had played one before but why don't you talk about so the... yeah there's there's a game called forska there's mm-hmm. a game called uh a cosmic forest and then finally there's a game called condor and they're all kind of like navigation games i don't know walking simulators they might be derogatively called i think walking simulator started as a derogatory term and now it is sort of something that is embraced as like what they mean is just like they're sort of a traditional games that are not necessarily uh mechanic based and that are about exploring a world and exploring an environment and uh that's okay and, and giving you interesting ways to interact with, with space. Um, yeah. And so the first game that, that really looks the most like a Rothko painting is Forska. And Forska's, uh, I mean, uh, what is it, Claris? Uh, Claris does a really good job of articulating, like, how the mechanic works. Uh, she likens this game to, to Mist. Um, so it's a series of, like, still images. It's kind of these pastoral, impressionistic, you know, forest landscapes. Um, and you can click anywhere in the uh, the image. It's a still image. And you'll be sort of uh, segued there over the course of, like, you know, a fourth of a second, um, and you'll see another still image. And you can just kind of click among the trees and, and navigate to the edge of a hill um, and just kind of experience this kind of beautiful space in this interesting way. Um, but the mechanic that makes it really compelling is that when you press the space bar, time moves. And so she spends a lot of the, the article talking about this idea of disembodiment in games. And, and that's something that I really am intrigued by because I think that like a lot of like AAA games try to solve the problem of making you feel like you're in a, a, a badass's body um, by, you know, when you look down, you see the legs, you know, maybe when you're playing the Oculus Rift, you, you get a bridge of a nose to make you feel like you're in this 
this person. And I'm like totally like interested in that in some way, but I'm more interested in embodying things that aren't real and or embodying things that aren't human. Um, and so this feels very ghostly because you can kind of like transcend or like navigate space in ways that are like totally separate from hum- the human experience um, and also be a god and like manipulate time. I th- yeah, I think, you know, that that specific bit about uh, being able to exert control um, in I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna hand you my opener. Thanks. Um, being able to exert control in like traditional uh, sort of like uh, big AAA games, like control is removed from the player. Like control is given to the player, but it's a very specific type of control in which they want you to have a very specific type of experience. And uh, that's what I think is really interesting about like modding communities, right? Like mm-hmm. modding communities, especially on the PC, because it's not possible on a console. Uh, traditionally anyway, uh, is about like subverting that control. And you'll see some games embrace mods and be like, we want players to subvert the experience. And then you'll see a lot of games that like they don't want that kind of thing. We want you to ex- subvert the experience. But I think you, you often see that you know players buck that in a way uh, that they like to sort of take control and modify things. And it's interesting that that, that game actually kind of brings it into the forefront. Sure, sure. And, and and I didn't play enough of it to know if there was an overarching challenge or if there was a narrative that emerged over time. I mean, there's a, in all of these games, there's this question of, like, who are you? Like, what is this world? Like, are there, like, you know, is there a backstory here? Maybe. I mean, maybe that's just me bringing this, like, old-school paradigm to these games that are new and strange and undefinable, mm-hmm. right? you know, so there's walking simulator-esque games are formless, and that's sort of the point is the lack of form to be a response to the really restrictive nature of most AAA games. And, um, you know, that sort of restriction does really exist in, in indie games, too. Like, for a while, like, roguelikes are the new hotness. And, like, while they're chill and, like, in some ways less restrictive than, like, most games, it's still sort of, like, the point is that you go from point A to point B. And there, you need to go to point B. And you just have to figure out how to get there. Like, stuff like Force Gun, and, like, Glitch Hikers, the point is just to be there, you know, and right. be in it. And it's part of what you bring to it. Yeah. Like, like, for a lot of games, there's nothing you have to bring to it. Yeah. The game brings everything. Oh, yeah. It sets up the narrative, the mythology, the background. Like, you're just there to experience what they put in front of you, whereas games like Glitch Hikers and, um, and these other types of games are a lot more of, like, they want you to bring your baggage. Your baggage yeah. is part of what makes the experience weighty and interesting. And, like, the more you bring to it, the more you put yourself into it, the more you're going to get out of it because the empty space is not empty because it's... It's devoid of something. It's because mm-hmm. they want you to fill it yourself right. and generate your yeah, own I mean, And it takes time to do that. I mean, I only played some of these games for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, which is kind of a long time for something that's so formless. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, like, just like a Rothko, I mean, Rothko requires you to, to wait and to kind of see how your yeah, perception changes over time. Like, and, light pass through right. a room as you're looking at a Rothko, you see different colors throughout the day. Like, it's, it's a, that sort of thing where, like, it's about being in it and it's about bringing yourself, like bringing your whole self to the painting and really just wanting to experience it, wanting to be open to something and being honest about it. Like I think that in the particular genre of games that uh, Clarice is talking about in this article, it's that same, like most games, like you're saying, they don't ask you to bring honesty to the game. They, they don't really ask you to open yourself up to it you just sort of dive into them in like an, an escapist way. But these games like Rothko's, they, they really just want you to 
just react in whatever way that it will is possible for you to react and accept that as like that's the point of what's happening here is you had yeah. a reaction i mean one thing that like a counter argument perhaps is that like with a rothko you're right like part of the beauty is watching how the physical painting reacts yeah. to the like the day the light the, yeah the architecture of the room and these games like don't really take that into consideration when mm-hmm. i launch any of these titles I mean, there's some generative elements for sure. There's going to be some changes, but they're not they're, – they're, they're changes that are built into the code. They're not changes that are reacting to the, the environment that you're viewing them in. And I feel like that's the next step for games to mm-hmm. take into consideration. Like, I mean, some games do this. Um, what was that game for the, the Game Boy Advance that had like a sun Baktai. Yeah, which is really – I mean, a, totally a, different game. Had a sun sensor. But like really interesting way that well, it, no, like, but it, but it's, interacts it's, with Yeah, it's like it was a game life, right? based on – that only worked if you were out in the sun, which was unfortunate because it was made for the Game Boy Advance. Right, which had no backlight. Yeah. That had, was not backlit, <laughs> yeah. which meant that you yeah. could not see the screen in the sun. But, like, separate from that, it was a super fascinating idea. Like, it forced you out of a comfort zone, out of the traditional comfort zone of playing games, which is, like, inside, you know, you know mm-hmm. in a, a sort of a dark space, and, like, you're lit by the screen. And it's like, no, go outside, get the sun. You have to... You, that's the only way you're going to be able to, com- you know, compete or complete this game. And I think that's that's really interesting. Like, I think games, because of like, you know, to kind of bring some of it full circle of like when we you know, like use the term addictive or mm-hmm. the ways that games are able to compel us to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do or think about. Uh, I think that there are ways that games can be digital but allow us to engage in physical spaces that they're only just beginning to tap into like, like ARGs, ARGs you know. and like, you know, mm-hmm. just the new technology like VR and, and AR, like there are going to be ways like our physical reality is going to incorporate with digital games in ways that are just like both unpredictable and like really exciting. Um, just yeah. as someone that, you know, likes that convergence where like what's around you is also interacting with the thing that's kind of in front of you on this monitor. And I think that's, that's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm see you see some of it um, in some games, but I think it's like, Sort of accidental, like with Glitch Hikers, I played that game at like three in the morning, and I think the game's different at three in the morning than it is in the middle of the afternoon. Well, the game feels like yeah. you're driving at three in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that game's like feels like me driving home from my ger- like terrible job at Forever Twenty One at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I think more, especially indie devs, especially people you find on Itch.io, are thinking about okay, in what context is this person going to experience this game, and what context can I encourage them to play this game? And they're more accounting for people who have like. Mac laptops that are terrible from 2008, right. like I do, yeah. and the they try to make it's less that uh, like a Rothko where the the painting changes throughout the day, and more like you change for the the game, or you know when to play the game based on what you've seen of it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like with the I have no idea how to say the developer. Of Glitch Hikers, like, usernames. It's Sam Mellusine or something? Oh, yeah. I remember I did a video for Giant Bomb where I featured Glitch Hikers and the other one that they did. Um, the part of that EP. Yeah, yeah the Oracle. East Van EP. And I remember I spent, like, the first 30 seconds being like, I don't know how to say their name, so I'm just going to display it on the screen and <laughs> have your own interpretation. <laughs> I love them. We're in Twitter friends now. Um, I think they're great. The three games and the Oracle EP, uh, or the... East Van EP are mm. fantastic. Oh um, yeah, some of the app got is great. It's called an EP because it's like music. I have yeah, I it's, it's meant to checker. invoke the idea that like they're part of a compilation right. and that they are, uh, if not, they're not narratively connected, but thematically oh. they sort of encompass uh, sort of a, an ethos. And yeah. um, you can play them separately, but um, they're meant to be sort of uh, enjoyed as a collection. So they right. they sort of leverage the EP terminology just to kind of 
convey what they're going for. Because these games put me in a mood very similar to like how I interact with music, which I think yeah. is to your point about like music is different depending on where you are in life or where yeah. you are in the day or like whether you're in the shower or whether you're in the car or whatever. Like uh, A Cosmic Forest, which is my favorite of this this trio of games featured in this article, like put me in this really lovely space that I think that like regardless of where I am, uh, I know that I can fire up A Cosmic Forest and it'll do it'll affect me in that kind of musical way yeah 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 I think that's that's the closest right now we have to that sort of Rothko-esque thing where it's not that the game changes it's that that you will always meet the game in the middle you'll always sort of reach the space that the game is trying to bring you to and I, I think most art is transformative in that way but I think when you think about it like like a painting and architecture where you you feel different in a church than you do in like a suburban home you you bring something different to that space. I think that's a useful way to think about design and a useful way to think about play. So I loved this feature. It was great. Word, word. <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. And you write for it and you should support it. Yeah. You should subscribe to the Patreon if you want to. If not, just grab an issue. I think this one is really great. I reviewed the game Little Party, which I think is a really which, cute little can you game. Give it like, can you give okay. like a 60-second overview of what Little Party is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a really short game you can play in about half an hour. It's um, You are a mom and your child is having a overnight art party with some of her friends and you're kind of started trying to stay out of their way but you're a mom so you will interact with your daughter's friends and make them guacamole and talk about their art and it's a very sweet it made me want to call my mom so Aww. yeah i should definitely i told my mom they're, I was they're, call they're, they're walking <laughs> simulators games that make you want to call your mom like yeah. these are the new genres we're coming up for, yep, uh, absolutely with next I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> next week Konami is going to debut uh call your mom four They'll oh, definitely be. <laughs> they'll skip three. the fir- they'll skip the first three and just go straight to four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always thought about that. Like I've, uh, I always tell myself like, oh, I want to write like a horror script at some point, and if I ever did, I would just skip straight to two. Oh I yeah, just assume that the first one was a success and write the sequel. Oh man, I Which, like if like I just think that would also be like a really cute thing for a horror movie to do is just to presume that the first one existed and just yeah. pick it up as though the sequel is, is right there. So I watched I Frankenstein last night with my friend on Gchat. And that is a bad movie. It's bad. But I what haven't happens, seen it, but I don't need to see it. Okay, one, it's weird that it's, it's, it's upsetting that it's so bad because all the female characters actually have a bunch to do and are never treated as sex objects, and it's great. That part's great. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's interesting about it is um, the first 30 minutes of the movie – you can tell this was definitely, at one point, a couple of scripts intending to be a trilogy. Because the first 30, sec- 30 minutes of the movie go through plot beats that would take an entire movie to expound like thoughtfully or interestingly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of characters that get introduced at the very beginning of the movie die at mini- minute 30, where a traditional movie would have that kind of plot beat. I just think it's so interesting that they basically were like, okay definitely not gonna be able to make this trilogy that i want to so let's just cram it somehow so we get all the best parts of the sequels i want to write and then all the setup just like in the first half hour it was amazing that part's amazing the movie is bad but it's also great and somehow maybe maybe you should watch it Hey, I, like I said, I watch a lot of horror movies. I know exactly the kind of movies you're talking about, yeah. which are like, this movie's bad. Most people shouldn't watch it. But yeah, exactly. Like, there's like a I little part of it. had a couple beers. You know, oh, it's no, interesting. It's, yeah. Hey, if you want to categorize it as the couple beer movie, yeah. like, there are a lot of movies <laughs> that move into watchable territory in the couple beer. Oh, 
absolutely category yeah. um so uh we've hit the hour mark so i'm going to very quickly touch on mine and we'll, we'll just kind of hit that and then get out of here so i can try and keep us as close to on track as possible <laughs> um but the the article i had uh, kind of pitched was um from sure which is sort of like a, a fighting game website and it's called human reaction times in fighting games or why blocking isn't always easy and like the, the article itself is like a really technical breakdown of like frame counts and why it's difficult to pull off like blocking in games but the the question it raised for me and one that i think about uh a lot in games uh, especially as i get older and like you know like i'm only 30 but like reaction time is a thing that like becomes more difficult as one gets older and then also one always has sort of natural limitations on what you're good at and what you're bad at and you can build skills but then inherently there are just things that you are good and bad at and uh, i'm curious if if either of you have run into a situation where you've played a game that you just couldn't play like it was just like you hit a roadblock and it's just like this isn't anything more than just me like i am the roadblock in this See, game that happens to me constantly yeah thing. me too i'm a yeah. i'm a i'm bad at games <laughs> which is why i play more metamorphobit you know like that's um yeah yeah i feel like I, the issue with me is that i don't persist through it like i don't hit that point where i'm like oh i guess it's just me i just kind of like give up you know, early. It, the very first time you, you fuck up, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't yeah, like it. I just don't find, I, it has a lot to do with like, so I have like a low level, like low key anxiety problems. So when I find myself failing, I feel myself ha- start having a panic attack essentially. And I wrote about this for Off World essentially. I just can't handle it. You know, I can't deal with the idea that like death equals failure. It's like a, a block for me. So a lot of games, like I'm, I'm not interested in games like, Bloodborne or any of the Souls games. I was gonna say like yeah. a lot, a lot of the yeah. there's been a lot of pieces written recently because of Bloodborne, which is yeah. a game inherently built on death, learn from failure, and mm. like repeated death. Like yeah. you are going to get punished, and part of the enjoyment of the game, and it's a game I love. I love those types of games. Um, is triumphing over that but yeah. that is certainly a very specific type of game for a very specific yeah. type of person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um. I, but that's, it's that thing specifically that I can't get over. There's a b- been a bunch of like types of games that I've been able to go through my sort of hesitancies about playing them. First person shooters I used to never play, and now I I like some of them, not all of them, but I like some of them. Um, I never used to play fighting games really, like seriously, take them seriously at all. But you know, once I sort of figured out what characters I like at Marvel vs. Capcom, I now enjoy playing that casually like with friends and you were the um, first person when I said, "Hey, I'm gonna have people over for this new Smash Brothers game." You're like, "I'm coming over for Smash Brothers." Yes. <laughs> I love Smash Brothers so much. Um, yeah, and I, I kicked your ass a little bit. You did. No, you, were, you, were, you actually knew how the controls worked, which was because Maddie you were ahead talked of most me up. People. Maddie Myers talked me up before I went over, and I was like, was "I'm nervous funny. to meet Patrick Klepek. and he was like, <laughs> "So I need to be at least be good at Smash Brothers." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Um, so, but there's. Rhythm games, I will always just be able to. Uh, failure rhythm games bothers me like at none at all because it's just sort of like, oh well, I just sort of have to memorize what when the arrows come down a little bit and just get in the zone, and you'll just do it by muscle memory. And I think the only thing that the only ones that games that where I can't, where I'm just like I cannot emotionally prepared to go through with this are games like Souls games where it's just yeah. like you're gonna die a lot. You're but I, th- I think those games also, and I'd be curious. Uh, Sam, to hear what you think about yeah. this. Like those, it's part of just like once you have sort of inherent understanding of the rule set, you can deal with the failure 
in the same way that you, know, you deal with the failure in the rhythm games. Like, mm-hmm. I know I can do this. I know how this works. I just have to do X, Y, and Z, work on X, Y, and Z, and I'll be okay. But yeah. it's like until you have or spend the time to learn that, and a lot of these games don't teach you that. Uh, they're like they're purposely meant to be like a brick wall, and they're not meant for you to kind of learn that stuff. Sam, I'm curious, like, are there, do you consider, are there any games you consider yourself good at? Like, good at? Yeah. Like, not I'm, just I'm, like, I'm, I know how to play this. I've played it before, but like, I know I'm good at this game. I'm really good at Tetris. Okay. Which is like, most people are really good at Tetris, right? But, 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 but here's the thing. Tetris. Here's the thing. Like, I, I think I've figured it out in the time that you were talking, Gita, is mm-hmm. that like, I'm really bad at games that uh, are technical and social. So I'm not particularly good at, uh, at Smash. I'm not mm-hmm. particularly good at, at, at first-person shooters in a multiplayer context. Um, but I do actually love – I've never played Dark, Dark Souls, but I think I would like it. And I think you know, I, one of my favorite games growing up was N, N+. Um, I also really like – That's uh, a great game. If you, amazing like, if you like N, there's a really good chance you're going to like the Souls games. Yeah, fun- Super Meat Boy, also a game I really like. They all, yeah. they all function ex- – you know, they function with the same sort of general rule set of like, we're going to punish you because we want you to do a very specific thing. But once you know how to do it, right. you're going to succeed. Exactly. I, look, there's tons of iPhone games that I play that are – you know, you just die and die and die and die and you learn the patterns and you succeed. Um, but I like to fail by myself. And I like to ha- to, yeah. to see myself fail, you know, alone. Um, and then I get good at it, and then I can kind of show off, which is kind of like why I mentioned Tetris, because Tetris was the first video game I ever owned. It was on the Game Boy Color. It, this wasn't, like, multiplayer Tetris, anything. This was just, like, me and my Game Boy, and I got really fucking good, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and same with N. Like, I got pretty far in that game. I think I beat it or something, you know? And You're and putting on a new one pretty soon. I'm super excited. N++. plus plus. Oh, yeah. dude, I'm so excited. Yeah, and it's one of my favorites. So uh, that, yeah, it's a social anxiety i'm also plagued by anxiety mm. like you know but it's, it's social for me um and i in things like fighting games i've never like this article uh totally isolated me because i've never been able to crack that code of like you know looking at the 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 combo maps like you were talking about Kita, and yeah. like really investing myself in the time just to like whoop my friend's ass you know what i mean like i didn't that d- doesn't make the connection i'll just be the guy that sucks um, <laughs> you know? so, oh sam yeah. Yeah. a little bit, bit of you'll sad. never be the guy that sucks in yeah. heart. Aww, so cute yeah uh so yeah so there'll be uh links to all those articles and even the ones we didn't talk about uh in the show notes i guess then the show notes have to live somewhere um so c- this podcast will live uh over at um inventorymanagement.simplecast.fm which is where a lot of my personal stuff goes and then once we have a name and a logo and all that stuff we'll dump it into its own feed and it'll be uh, its own thing uh, separate from that um, but uh, there will be show notes at uh, where you can listen to Three Beers Deep and the other stuff that I do personally on the side uh, that has links to all of that stuff. Um, the next section would be reader mail. We don't have any readers or should listeners. email yeah. us. To, to where, where should they send things? They can send things right now. We're just going to dump it all my way. I will just Great. take it, I'll just, don't I'll email take it me. all. I'll take it all. Um, it's just uh, patrick.klopik at kotaku.com. And then I feel like we shouldn't register an email until we have a name for the podcast. But yeah. we'll figure that out in the next week if or so. If your reader mail is a suggestion for a name for the three of us, that'd be really great because we are bad at naming things. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't really don't think... The three guys having a good time. Is, it's a really <laughs> specific joke. It's a very specific joke that I know only I find funny. Yeah. It's just me. <laughs> uh, so if you have suggestions, you know, one of the things we're thinking about, what we've talked about is that, 
you know, want to avoid like the video game thing. Right? Yeah, no cutesy puns, please. Um, you know, I think one of them, the ones that I think about is, uh, you know, you've mentioned Maddie Myers. Like uh, she is on a podcast with a bunch of great people on Isometric, which is like, you know, Isometric, like their perspective is about different perspectives. So Isometric kind of like encompasses yeah. that the, thematically what they're talking about. Um, so I think we're trying to go for something like that. So uh, I've always had great success in admitting that I'm terrible at names and outsourcing <laughs> it to other people. You will get full credit. We will mention you in every episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you if you uh, can help us come up with something. But feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on email, um, and we'll, we'll float those and figure that out in the next uh, week or two. But uh, you can also send me an email, and we'll, you know, we'll go through the cool stuff uh, when – uh, you guys send that in for future episodes, but that is going to bring us to the end oh of this my podcast. God. We did it. <laughs> we did one. It. We did it. And can. a hundred, an hour and fifteen minutes. Much that's, shorter. That's than pretty last good. That's a better. Yeah, we yeah we could we could shorten that down even more. We'll get there. We'll get there someday. We sl- we we lobbed off a half an hour from the from the last <laughs> episode. So yeah. Uh, if you want to follow my work, you can do so at Patrick Klepek on Twitter. Uh, I stream at Patrick Klepek on Twitch, and I, I have videos up on at Patrick Klepek on YouTube. Basically, just take my name, slot it into whatever service. <laughs> I have probably registered it there, even if I'm not actually doing anything there, because I get paranoid that people are going to take my name. Um, wow. And, what also does happen. People do take my name. What? Yeah. Okay, that's absurd. Someone, we'll talk later about that. Some, well, someone, someone registered my domain name and then later was like, I registered it just to screw with you. You can actually have it. And then I had to have him send it over I mean, me, that's so. really nice of him, but also yeah. he's kind of a fuckboy. Like. Uh, no, it was really funny. He, I got it like <laughs> okay, immediately okay. after he did it. Okay, but I, it is one of those things that generally speaking, I, when there is a new service that I think, I don't have any interest in this right now. But could I? <laughs> and then I have to just register immediately so oh I can get my, my name. Oh, my God. What a stressful life. You well, it's like Periscope comes out, and it's like, I don't know when I would want to use that because I mostly just stream games. Better go register on Periscope, though, because so <laughs> I can take that five seconds and do it. So anyway, that's, that's weird, and that's my own thing. But, uh, wow. Gita, where can, where can people follow your work? Yeah, what have you got could... going on lately if you want to uh, okay, kind of throw so... out a piece or two? I um, have some stuff that should be coming up in the next couple of weeks on Offworld and Paste, so keep an eye out for me there. Next week on June 2nd, the book Shooter is coming out, which is an anthology of essays on games where the central mechanic is shooting. And I contributed an essay about my brother and Counter-Strike, and I'm very proud of it, so I'd be really happy if you picked up a copy. I got a Take a look at it early, and it's beautiful. And there's a lot of great writers in there, like Holly Green. And it's edited by uh, Patrick Lindsay and Reed McCarter, and they just did a wonderful job. So grab that, definitely. We'll talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about that essay next week. Look, you're just going to grab another spot in the roundtable just because you're. You got, <laughs> yes. I got an essay in a book. I'm uh, so fancy and it's, talented. It's an ebook. It's not a book book, but it is I a book. I didn't say that you did. Yeah. I didn't say that you did. But uh, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that because yeah. uh, when we record next week, it'll be coming out. So, yeah, I'll um, be tweeting about all this stuff on my Twitter at xoxo gossip gita. Which I'm so proud of that Twitter username. It's a really good. It's, it's a really good Twitter excellent. Username. Yeah, I also have a Tumblr xoxo. I just think it's just gossipgita.tumblr.com. And I started. I might stream some stuff, some weird dating games, possibly. Do it. Yeah, go I, back into that anime hell. Yeah, I <laughs> maybe just registered twitch.tv/animehell. Oh, if that's not fuck. taken. Oh shit! I you should, should totally look. do. That. I'm sorry. I'm it's a lot of There'd profanity. Be a good channel I was too. just very excited about it. Anime, and, Hell, Anime Hell is just a really good. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good. Uh, again. I'll make T-shirts if nothing else. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Welcome to Anime Hell. Yes. I mean, that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but then it'd be my podcast. That's true. Yeah. Your spinoff podcast. You're already planning your spinoff. Yeah, that's it. I got to write that down for season <sighs> two. And Sam doesn't have Twitter. Yeah, don't, don't find me. Don't. <laughs> don't find me. My name is Sam Phillips. There are a lot of famous Sam Phillipses out there that you can You can tweet at them. I can tweet other yeah. Sam Phillips is on Twitter. One of them ask them dead. questions about video games. Recorded Elvis, <laughs> you know, Sun Studio. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll we can get see. Sam to to crawl out of his uh, his uh, Twitter self imposed Twitter exile. <laughs> Don't you do had it. A, you had a Twitter. I did. I did. I did. And then you walked a, away. Yeah, I walked away. Walked I'll, away. I'll resurrect it and then I'll I'll and then walk away again. The, and I'll walk away again. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to you got to keep the kind of keep people guessing. <laughs> of course. Uh, but if you want to ask Sam a question, you know, feel free to pass along an email, uh, and you can ask him. You can ask him that way. There's still ways to contact you it's through true. through my email address. Exactly right. <laughs> Until Patrick. we have a podcast email address. Clapic at Gmail. Right. Yeah. Uh, not quite, but not close quite. enough. Close yes. enough. Whatever. Uh, but that has been it for uh, our unnamed podcast. Again, if you have names, suggestions. Um, we really appreciate it. Pass along. Let us know your thoughts. So we know if there's segments you'd like to see, if there are articles you'd like us to talk about. To pass that along too. Um, all that stuff is super appreciated. And and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes in the future. Um, excited to just get in a room and talk with people every week. So let us know what you think. Uh, that helps uh, encourage us to keep doing it because if it's just us three, then I guess that's enough. Is that enough? I think so. Okay. All right. Wow. That's really that's a really optimistic way to look I, at it. I, I like, like it. us. I like us. Wow. I like us. Yeah. I like us too. Uh, so thanks uh, to the two of you for joining me. Thank you, Patrick. On this podcast. Thanks, Patrick. And we will uh, see all of you next week. Word. Bye. Bye.